Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, well, let's, you know what we do. Let's stand, open your Bibles over to John chapter 10. Uh, uh, I do not have a series right now. I preach a lot of series messages, but these are just standalone messages that God has put into my heart for the next couple of weeks that I want to share with you. Uh, we just celebrated 20 years, and I've just been talking and thinking about the battles we have fought over the last 20 years, the ups and the downs that we have experienced, um, the times that the enemy has tried to come and discourage us, and there's, uh, I'm going to talk about that next week as we battle depression and mental illness, and there's just a lot of things the enemy tries to attack us with. Uh, there's people that's been with us in ministry over the last 20 years, even serving in leadership, and we're on fire for God, but now they're not even walking with the Lord. I want to talk to you about that, about when people walk away from the Lord. It grieves my heart. And so these are some messages that God has put into my heart that I'm going to be preaching over the next couple of weeks. Uh, again, there's no series title, uh, but you don't want to miss them because I believe that they're important for today. Uh, how many believe in a literal devil? Amen. I'm going to talk a little bit about him today. As you turn over to John chapter 10, um, I'm going to talk about this adversary. And the whole point of this message today is not to get us all spooked out and, and all of that. I know that can happen. But uh, I want you to know that God is our Father and He doesn't want His children, us, to struggle he doesn't want us to not have victory. You know, how many parents, we all feel that way as, as our parents, right? We don't want to see our kids struggle. Uh, what, what's that saying? That, that, you know, you're only as happy as your saddest child, right? You can have a, a lot of money in the bank. You can be healthy. But if you've got a kid that's struggling, how many know that weighs on you? I hold in my beautiful, perfect little grandson. And yes, he's perfect. And I'm just praying. I pray over him when I hold him. And I say, Lord God, what is he going to do to this world? And I pray over him already, God, that you would protect him and keep him. And I, I, it's going to grieve my heart if he goes through struggles and things like that. And sometimes it's, it's going to happen. But the Lord's will is for us to have the victory. But we got a devil out there, an adversary who tries to steal from us. So I, I want to uh, talk a little bit about this as you're in John chapter 10. Let me just give you this. I wrote this down thinking about this. The increase of demonic activity and influence in our world today is unparalleled with any other time in history since the flood. Witchcraft is common. Lust and perversion is mainstream. Abuse is rampant. And addiction is an epidemic. Meanwhile, division is normal. Deception is everywhere. And sadly, the average Christian, or I would say church person in America is just simply unaware or just simply unaware the very ideal of a devil is just reserved for our entertainment our movies and Hollywood loves to use our movies and over 68 percent of our movies and big blockbuster films have to do with the devil and Satan shows like Lucifer and, and, and the exorcist and the conjuring and in these movies America just seems to be uh, entertained with the ideal of this fairy tale comedic type 
image of, of Satan and of the devil. He's like a little guy in Halloween with, with a pitchfork and a pointed tail. And he's just something that we just think is a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing. And we laugh and mock at the very ideal of Hollywood. While Hollywood rakes in millions and billions of dollars on making him seem very... Um, they inflamed and exciting almost and glorified almost into a fairy tale like being. But Jesus paints a very different picture about this adversary. The Bible says that he's an adversary, he's the accuser of the brethren. He's got many titles and many names. But I want you to know today before we go any further as the song we sung earlier, you and I have authority over him in the name of Jesus Christ. Through the name of Jesus, we've got victory over the enemy. And I'm going to talk about that today and show you that today. In John chapter 10, Jesus talks about this enemy that we are looking at today. And he talks, he, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd and he says that, uh, verse 1, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but he climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Once you look at verse 7, he kind of explains the parable. Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door, not one of the doors. I am the door to the sheep. All who were ever before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Please hear me today. If you're watching this on social media, share this in your Facebook. Put in there uh, something that gets people's attention. This is a very important message, and I want it to go out as much as we can today. And then he says, verse 10, here's our scripture for the day. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. That's his mission statement. But I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. I love the NIV. It says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. There's not a good side plan that the enemy has for us. That's his mission statement. Our mission statement is we are the church. We're called to represent Christ and influence others, right? Well, in the corridors of hell, the Bible says it has a banner in hell that says he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his plan for our life, and we're going to look at it today. So I want to talk to you about when the thief comes. Lord, I thank you for your word that you have left for us to look as uh, a word of instruction and so, Lord, today I pray that we would receive this word today. Our eyes would be awakened to the truth of the reality of the evil that is present in our day. And, Father, I just pray, God, that victory would reign supreme into the hearts of your people, that they would, we would be encouraged today, not discouraged. And I thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give somebody a high five and then sit down. Amen. God bless you. Or a smile or a nod. Amen. Hallelujah. Have you ever had something stolen from you? Isn't it an awful feeling to have something stolen from you? I mean, I can tolerate a lot of things, um, uh, but a liar and a thief. I'm, I'm, a thief is just, man, you work hard for something, you get something, you're so excited, and then it's stolen. It's a horrible, empty feeling, like you've been violated. It's like awful. Um, I grew up in, in the inner city in E-Course, and... Uh, so we experience thievery all the time. Uh, I know you can be in the suburbs. They, feel, they steal anywhere. Thieves are everywhere, right? 
But in my old neighborhood, it's an understanding. If it ain't chained down, it can be taken. <laughs> I mean, everything. Like my new barbecue grill, amen. I mean, no one would even notice the big padlock and the chain you got on that thing to the fence. I mean, that's just a way of growing up. My six years old, our bikes were stolen. Uh, my dad worked at Ford Motor Company, and he was blessed and was able to bless us with nice bikes. And my... Uh, my two brothers, we all were able to have that and nice bikes and, and stuff like that. And I remember six years old, our bikes were stolen. Uh, they broke the fence or I mean, they broke the lock and went under the porch and stole these brand new bikes. And, and they did it many times. Sometimes we would get our bikes back. Most of the time we did not. My older brother, I'll never forget, was 11 years old. He just got a 10 speed. He rode his bike up to Lovelands, the liquor store there on the corner of Saliette there, our, our local store in our neighborhood. And uh, he was so happy to have this 10 speed, but someone liked it more than he did. Uh, this big dude, he's a big guy, walked up and just picked my brother off of the 10 speed and said, I'll take it and took his bike and took off. I mean, we never got that one back. It, it just is a way of, of growing up. Had our shoes stolen. Shoes were huge. You guys hear me talk about that all the time. And shoes were big. I remember, uh, you know, growing up, we couldn't afford a lot of that. And so um, the shoes and the Jordans and that. Uh, I was always been an Adidas guy. They were big in the day. You all know that. I remember my friend had his... Uh, he, we didn't have Adidas, so we had tracks, which Kmart sold, but we can hook them up, make them look like Adidas. You could not tell. I mean, you would think that we had them, and he had them stolen right off his feet. Uh, we were in eighth grade, and I remember going uh, to Ecorse High over there, and, and uh, these guys who were in uh, junior and senior in high school, who later I became friends with, and we laughed about this, uh, but at the time they stole his shoes off his feet. And I never forget, he walked about 10 feet away and he said, these ain't Adidas, these are garbage. And he threw them back. And, uh, but at least he got his shoes back. Amen. Right. Uh, true stories. It's just, it's just the way it was growing up. Uh, our house was broken into several times, uh, coming home from church. Most of the time we had Sunday night or revival services late at night. I remember coming home one time in Ecorse there and, and my dad was coming in the side door and dad said, oh wow, that's odd, the porch light's out. And uh, he, he looked and he goes, well, wait a minute. And he screwed it and it came on. Someone just unscrewed it. And, of course, the door was jimmied open. They broke in and cleaned us out and uh, took our microwave and took the, the VCR. <laughs> took my stereo system that our older brother and I really enjoyed. We shared it. Everything was sharing. We, you know, and uh, wiped us out. And so on and on and on that we experienced that kind of thing. But I want you to know that the enemy that Jesus is talking about here today, please listen to this, he doesn't steal like that. It's not like uh, he comes while you're sleeping and steals your joy. You wake up in the morning and go, oh, my joy's gone, the devil took it. You know what I'm saying? It's not like that. Or, or sometimes we blame the devil for things that we ourselves do. Sometimes it's a devil that got you in the mess, and sometimes it's your decisions. Come on, somebody. Like the little boy, his daddy said, don't you be going swimming in that water. And uh, they were by a creek and they were visiting some friends. And a little kid uh, came and he went down there and dad came to check on him. And there he was in the water again, uh, in the water. He said, boy, didn't I tell you not to get into that water? He said, the devil pushed me in. The devil made me do it. And dad said, well, why are you wearing your bathing suit? Sometimes it's not the devil, it's our decision that we do this. But the enemy... He does, we do have an enemy and he is a thief. Jesus is very clear with that. And he steals from us in different ways. And he uses different methods. 
In fact, Paul wrote about it in 2 Corinthians and he says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. And that schemes means strategies. Strategic procedures. There are, there are strategies. The enemy, the Bible describes Satan or Lucifer. His name uh, was Lucifer, but he is a fallen angel. I'll show you that in a minute. Uh, but he has a kingdom. It is not chaotic. It is organized. It is in the Bible very clearly. We get glimpses of it in Daniel, glimpses of it in Ephesians. He has a hierarchy. He has principalities and rulers. He has all of this that the Bible talks about. There is an entire unseen realm in our world today that's called the spiritual realm, uh, if you will. It's more real than our natural real life because the natural life is temporary. Look at the person next to you and say... You're temporary. <laughs> That's just the truth. As beautiful as we have. Some of you are like getting ready to get smacked. I know. But anyway, some of you are like, what does that mean? Okay, okay, okay. Just stop. We are, the Bible says, says it like this. Our outward appearance is, uh, is dying and falling away, but our inner man is being renewed day by day. The inner man is our spirit. That's the part of you and I that will live forever. It's the spirit. And we will spend one of two places. That's the only thing that the Bible describes. It's either heaven or a place without God. And the people that go to hell isn't some place that God puts you into hell. We decide to go there ourselves when we are too full of pride or ignorance and refuse the way that God said to live, which is receiving Jesus Christ. So when we, re when we reject Jesus Christ, we therefore put ourselves into that position. Just like when a principal suspends a student. Don't ask me how I know. Principal said, Eddie, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you what you've been demonstrating that you want this whole year. And that is not to be in school. And that's how you, and that's exactly what God is saying. That I will get, hell is a place that we demonstrate that we don't want to be with God. We don't want to be with his presence. We don't love it. So that's what the Bible is teaching. I want to be very clear on that. God does not send anybody in, into hell. But the enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy... He's got ways, a couple of things that I want you to know about the enemy, and then we're going to talk about how to overcome him today. But there's a couple of things that really stand out that the Bible says is very clear on how this enemy works. So he's got schemes, right, as we just saw. He's got, and this passage is talking about uh, being uh, offended. He says, don't let the enemy get you to be offended. That's, what he, that's the context of the scripture. For we know that he has many schemes. But he's got more schemes than just being offended and getting us to not forgive people. Because when we don't forgive people, we're the ones that, do, that are suffering the loss. How I many know that's true? Unforgiveness is like drinking poison but wanting the other person to die. It's simply you and I suffer the consequences of unforgiveness. We are not receiving the blessings of the Lord. We are bitter. We are anger, angry. We are jealous every time that person's name is mentioned. It is a prison. In fact, we have an entire life group called the Bait of Satan that really breaks, breaks this teaching down even more and more. But he's got many other ways. He can get us tangled up into sin. Let me say that again. He can get us tangled up into sin. 
preoccupied. He can get us distracted where we simply just don't have time for God. Simply don't have time to read. Simply don't have time to get into the Word of God. And that's a tactic because when he's out of mind, out of sight, then what happens? The flesh, which is always there and it never leaves, will begin to slowly creep in and therefore taking us out of the path that God has for us. Therefore, the enemy has caused us to sit by simply distracting us. So there's many ways that he does this. Number one, I want you to know this about the enemy is that he disguises himself. This is so important to know. Again, he's not in, you know, those movies. Some of the movies he is. I don't recommend you go and watch Conjuring. I say don't do that. And if you are, are just uh, scared to death and you've got to sleep with your lights on, well, then that's exactly what you get. You open yourself up when you start watching these kinds of things. And, and, uh, but he just, you know, and I like movies. I love movies. Everybody knows that. I love going to the show. Popcorn is of God in Jesus' name. Extra butter. He forgives us. Amen. And, and that's the way it is. Just chew with your mouth closed, please, if you're sitting by me. And if you've seen the movie, don't blurt out what is happening. I'm just kidding. Everybody lighten up. That's cool. Uh, but no, those ruin the movie, so don't go with me. Anyway, uh, but I hate that. Don't you when someone just spoils, spoiler alert, uh, my wife is so good at guessing the ending before it happens, and I hate that. That's so, just the other day, we're watching this show, and she goes, can I say this? And it's too late now. The devil's making me do it. <laughs> she goes, I know what's going to happen. I said, don't tell me what's going to happen. I said, write it down. So now she's got to write it down in her phone. And I said, okay. And then it happened. And then I don't forgot about it. When we watched a couple episodes later, she was like, I told you. I was like, let me see the date on that and the time when you entered that in. Amen. I hate that because, you know, I like to be, you know, surprised. But anyway, back to the enemy. He, he disguises himself. He does this, watch this, to make us think he's not even real. And he's got a lot of people fooled. In fact, George Barna, I'm not crazy about George Barna or any stat because they just poll Christians and they really just walk up to anybody and say, are you a Christian? And they go, yep, I got a cross on, you know, and so they, they put him in this category. But, and we all know that you, you know, just because we say we're a Christian really don't mean we're a Christian. I mean, we understand it, right? Just because we're in a garage, don't make us a car. Just because we go to church don't mean we're a Christian. I mean, going to church is good. Amen. You understand that? There is a thing in Western mindset and theology and Christianity that simply knowing about God is the same as knowing Him personally. And if you've come to River of Life, you know the difference because we're very real. Because that's religion over there. And I don't like religion. I'm not a religious person. Please don't come around me if you're religious. Don't get that stuff on me. I know religion is our category that the world puts us in, but it's an entirely different thing than a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus came not to start a religion. He came to show us how to have a relationship with God the Father. I know God. I have a personal relationship with Him. I talked to Him this morning. I talked to Him yesterday. I just worshipped Him. I loved on Him. Every song has taken me back. I love that. And so do, so do you. Amen. And if you don't, if that's not you, if you're a religious, if someone asks you about it, if you are a Christian, if the first thing you say is, yeah, I'm Catholic, or yeah, I'm Assembly of God, or yeah, I go to River of Life. I mean, that's good that you go to a church, but that's really not the answer to the question if you're a Christian. If you and I are a Christian, the only ones in heaven are going to be not, there's not a Catholic section, there's not a river of life section, which would be kind of sweet though. <laughs> Amen. We'd have the fireworks, we'd have the cool shoes, everybody would have Adidas on, no Nikes in heaven, and we would be worshiping the king. Amen. 
The only ones that's going to be in heaven, hear me today, are those that know Jesus Christ and have submitted their heart and surrendered their heart to Him. Amen. Come on. Come on. Give Him praise if you're one of them. If you're one of them. Not saying you're perfect. Saying you're surrendered to Him. You've, you've repented of your sins. You've, you've walked away and said, God, I've lived a sinful life. Forgive me of those sins. I want to live you. I believe in you, Jesus Christ. But He tries to make us think we're not real. So the, he, Georgia, or George Barna did this poll and 95% uh, of Christians believed in God. <laughs> Why it's not 100? Again, it's like, it's like, did you hear the question? You know what I'm saying? Not, so 95% believed in God, uh, like I said, and heaven in uh, angels. But only 40%, uh, but 40% do not believe in a literal Satan. And 9% are just not sure. So we got 50% of these people that were polled as Christians, 50% that don't believe in a literal devil, but he's a symbol or a feeling or what, I don't know what they believe or something in Hollywood or I don't know, but that, 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 is, that is exactly what I mean by the enemy has deceived himself. Let me tell you something. He is real. The Bible says he is real. Uh, there's many scriptures about him. Revelations 12, 9 says this, so the great dragon was cast out. This is when he was in heaven. He was cast out of heaven. He's called the serpent of old. What does he mean by that? In Genesis, we find that he, he came and he disguises himself. He came as a serpent. Why did he come as a serpent? I don't got time to break that down, but when God created the animals, just like he created you and me, we all have different distinctions and personalities and traits. And the serpent, the Bible says, was cunning. It was clever. It was an animal, but it had intelligence at another level. And isn't it interesting that the enemy used the very thing that Adam and Eve already looked at as educated and trusted to be smart or, or, or cunning in a way. He will use the very things that sometimes we assume to help us. He'll use them to deceive us. He's called the devil, the Satan, watch this, who deceives the whole world. He was cast out to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. He does have a horde of fallen angels. We know them today as demons. I know there's a lot of different debates on what demons come from, but there are demons that were not the offspring. There, there's just a lot to say there. I'm just going to move on. But the Bible does say he's very real. Jesus said he is very real. Jesus believed in a literal devil, the scripture I just gave you. And then again in Luke chapter 10, he said, Behold, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He witnessed the fall that I just read to you in Revelations. The Apostle Peter believed in a literal devil. He said this, be sober. I wonder if it's, is it okay if I... Be sober. <laughs> be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Paul said that there was a literal devil. In 2 Corinthians, he says, And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Didn't say he can transform himself. It says he does transform himself. I was a youth pastor, and I preached a series called Transformers. When that movie just came out, I'm a Transformer fan, all right? All right yeah, yeah, I love that. And uh, kind of like the, the, what Transformers do, right? They look like, like uh, Optimus Prime looks like a tractor trailer, you know, a tractor sweet looking uh, rig. And then just totally changes his appearance to be Optimus Prime. 
How many transform, ever seen Transformers? Amen. Okay, so, but I'm trying to just give you this. It also means like a convertible car. You can take the top down. It's a completely different ride. The Bible is in the same Greek. Uh, Paul is using that the devil, this enemy, this spiritual enemy that we have can manipulate himself and he can manipulate others and he's a master manipulator. He's a master deceiver. That's what he does and he transforms himself and it's very common that his ministers, look at the verse, also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end, Paul said, will be according to their works. So not everybody who has a Bible or claims to be religion, religious and may come to you, the Bible, according to the Bible, they're not, it doesn't mean that they are going to give you the truth. In fact, they are wolves in sheep's clothing, and there's a whole teaching on that. Jesus warned in the last days, above everything else, be uh, careful that you are not deceived, that you're not deceived. In verse 7 through 9 in our text today, he's talking about false teachers, that very thing. If anybody else tries to tell you there's another way to heaven, you know, you, it's out there. Just be a good person. That's, that's the theology that out there. Just be a good person or you can be spiritual. You know, just be a good person. But you don't have to be, you know, all about that Jesus. You know, you can, you can be this. And I'm telling you what, man, that's, 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 right, that's a lie right out of the pit of hell. Someone has lied to you if you've heard that. They lied to me. Because listen, if, going, if you can go to heaven just by being a good person, then why did Jesus have to come and suffer and die? If there was another way, surely I would not allow my son to, to go through that horrible death. But no, he did that because he's the only one that paid for the sins of the world. He paid a big price for you and for me to be forgiven. So when we say there's other ways, we are cheapening that very act that Jesus demonstrated on the cross. I want to be very clear. Jesus is the only way to heaven. And I know having absolutes is like, you know, narrow-minded or, or, or is all like this. No, no, I'm telling you, that, that is this, the truth of what God's word says. It's like if I had a cure for a disease. And I said, this is the only cure for that disease. And if you had that disease, you wouldn't care. You would say, I need that disease or that cure, even if it, if it heals me. And we, we're okay with that in medicine. But when it comes to theology, the enemy has done such a good job in making us not receive that truth of the world. Let me be very clear. Jesus is the only way to heaven. And you must know him. You must receive him as your Lord and Savior. So he talks about that and people tell you, you don't need Jesus, you're just a good, you're just a good person. Secondly, I've got to keep moving here, is that he challenges God's word. This is what the enemy does. He's a deceiver and sometimes you don't even know if this is of God or, or if this person is really uh, speaking the truth. they got a Bible, you know, they may have a YouTube channel with a, a thousands of subscribers and and I get asked this all the time, videos sent to me, oh, what about this guy, what about that You know, it, it's... I know it's very hard to, to try to follow a lot of these guys, but one of the ways, the most important way, is that you look at the Word of God. Are they taking the Word of God in truth and the way it is? You know, like the FBI agents, they don't, uh, there's so many ways to counterfeit our currency. And the FBI will tell you that they don't sit around all day and look at the newest counterfeit dollars. They, they, they don't have time for that because every day there's a new counterfeit. What our FBI and what our professionals do in law enforcement is they study the true currency. So much so that when they're introduced to a counterfeit, they're so familiar with the truth 
that they won't fall for the counterfeit. Can I tell you that we are God's people and if we will study the truth and know the word of God and rightly divide the word of truth and know it and know it and know it. When anybody else comes with something else, we'll know it. Come on, give him praise for that, for the truth. Give him praise. You got the truth right here. And you can rightly divide the word of God. And the Bible also says, know them that labor among you. So I don't watch everybody on YouTube because I don't know them. And yeah, they may say something truth, but if 10% of it is truth, but 90% of it is wrong, according to the word of God, they're not ministers of truth. They are ministers of the evil one, the Bible says. Whether they're ignorant and they just don't know and they're lifted up in pride and wanting to be a teacher, like Paul addressed them in Timothy and said many of these teachers are wanting to be teachers, but they do not know the things that they talk about. Come on, somebody. The Bible says in Hebrews that no one appoints themselves to this position, but that is anointed and called by God. And know them that labor among you. I want to know you before you get into my pulpit. I want to know you before you teach at River of Life. I want to know what you what Bible doctrine is when you teach our kids and river kids. When you teach in any church and every pastor is the under shepherd and we need to have that same responsibility. I don't know why I'm saying this, but somebody might need to hear it today. Amen. Why do you got church membership? That's why. That's a fail. I want to sit down with you. I've sat down with folks through membership classes and discovered that they had a little bit of Jehovah's Witness. They had a little, little bit of Islam and a little bit of Jesus. And, and, and so we need to have a conversation because someone is wrong. Come on, somebody. Somebody say truth. Knowing the truth and the truth will. Y'all know the word. Y'all know the word. That's what I'm talking about. You got to know the truth. And so the word of God tells us that. So we, so how do you know if it's a false or right teaching? Is it challenge the word of God? Because that's what the enemy does. He challenges the word of God. He challenges the promises that you're standing on. Thinking about this for 20 years, we're celebrating what God has done here. Very rarely do you celebrate 20 years of anything. And we have fought some battles. And one of the biggest ones is the enemy trying to come and discourage us. And steal these promises that we stood on for all these years. And the enemy will do the same thing to you. He will challenge us. And he, well, this is how he steals from you. He tries to get you to quit believing the word of God. He tries to challenge the word of God and get you to quit believing that promise that you're standing on. That's exactly what he does. He tries to say things like, in, like Jesus when he was tempted by the enemy. The Bible says he was, remember he was baptized and a voice came out of heaven and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then the spirit drove him into the wilderness where he was tempted and tested by the enemy for 40 days. The Bible says at the end of those 40 days, when he was hungry, the tempter came. The enemy will always tries to get us when we're empty. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But anyway, he came to Jesus and what did he say to Jesus? He said, if you, I, I, know, I know God said that he loves you, but that was 40 days ago. That was, that was before you went through this suffering and, and you're hungry and you're starving and you're all alone. And then Mark's gospel tells us that he had, to, had uh, evil or he had uh, wild animals in the wilderness. He had to run against, uh, away from them. So he, it wasn't just a walk in the park on a nice trail through the wilderness as he's being tempted and like we may see and think. No, no, he was... 40 days without food. Have you went 40 days without food? Some of us can't go 40 minutes. Amen. Come on, somebody. Y'all right now looking up menus at Applebee's. So right now, in Jesus' name, I rebuke you. Let the Wi-Fi go out right now in Jesus' name. No. 
Forty days he went without food. And the Bible says he was tempted. I know the enemy came and said, does God really love you? If God really loved you, he wouldn't let you be all alone. If God really loves you, you would, you would not be all alone. You wouldn't be going through all of this. You wouldn't be hungry. You wouldn't be suffering like this. Well, after you get saved, you're going to hear this. You're not really saved. You ain't really saved. You just going to church. If they knew what you were thinking on the way to church, you wouldn't even be lifting your hands. You wouldn't be serving. You wouldn't be doing this. That's a life in the pit of hell. He'll come to you when you get filled with the Holy Spirit. You didn't get filled with the Holy Spirit. That don't sound like a language to me. That just sounds like something. You know, that was just a room. You were just excited. You, you were just, you know, that's not, that's not the, that's not God. You might have had a week of camp, young people, and had an awesome week and got, saw great mighty things. And a week or two weeks later, you'll hear, oh, that wasn't God. You were just, you know, excited. The music was cool. It wasn't really a miracle over there. That girl was faking. That's what the enemy does. That wasn't real. He's just doing it. Or you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't, you haven't been filled yet. See, he doesn't love you. That's not, that's not real. You're, you're an intellect. That's why. And these other guys are just in it. He's a master deceiver. He came right to Jesus like that. And said, who do you think you, you ain't no son of, if you're the son of God, do something. If you're the son of God, turn these stones to bread. Jesus, thank God he didn't do what Adam, Adam was like, okay. He did, literally. Jesus said, hold up. I was there. My father said that he loves me. He, I am the son of God. I'm not going to do anything to prove to you. I'm not going to do anything and try to test God. I know who God is. It is also written, tempt not the Lord thy God. It is also written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. It is written, devil, get thee behind me. He stood up. Come on, somebody getting ahead of myself but they i want you to know the enemy came for the for satan or came for jesus those thoughts are the same way and here's another question pastor eddie is it the devil is it a demon is it my flesh anything like that i put in the umbrella of the devil seriously because just like everything good and everything that's a blessing from god the bible says this every good and perfect gift every good and perfect gift is from god you get a raise at work, that's God. You get a parking place at Target, I would give God the praise. Every good, it says every good gift. Come on, somebody, you're just being strict. No, I'm going to thank God. You ever been to Target? I hate parking in the back. Every good thing. So anything that is, that is not of God, going to be your fallen flesh, because the fallen nature is a result of the enemy tempting Adam and Eve. So it's on him, bro. It's on him. It is all from the enemy. So you get kind of confused trying to figure that out. You don't start doing all the enemy. It's crazy. No, no. It's, it's from the wicked one. When Peter said, Jesus, you shouldn't go to the cross. You should be here and, and, and relieve us from the oppression of Rome. Jesus said, Satan, get behind me. It wasn't Satan. It was Peter. But he was speaking the same language. He was doing the same thing that the enemy tries to do, which is to stop you and me. You need to write this down. He wants to ruin the work of God in you so he can hinder God's work through you. That's the MO of the enemy. 
He wants to ruin the work in you. He don't like y'all worshiping God. He don't like us serving God. He don't like us giving so we can bless a community and do the things that we do. And he don't want you to participate in mentoring young boys and girls and Royal Rangers. He don't want you reading your Bibles every morning. He don't want you to get your husband by the hand and say, let's pray about this instead of go to the divorce court. He doesn't want to see that. He wants to ruin God's work in you so you God cannot work through us. Because if we're hung up and we're distracted and, and we're, we're all disentangled, we ain't winning nobody for Christ. And God has placed us into a family that our family needs us more than anybody. Our work family, our community that we live in, we are the only hope. And the enemy knows that I wish to God we would wake up and realize the power and the calling that we all have in Christ. Come on, give him praise for that today if you believe that. That's what he wants to do. He wants to ruin you. He wants to get you hung up. So you get those thoughts. Like when I first got saved, I heard that thought, you ain't saved, baby. And uh, my pastor said, you know that's the devil because he never told you that before you got saved, right? And I was like, yeah. I've never been at the club, you know, getting turned up and I heard this voice say, uh, you ain't saved. It's never happened. It's never happened. But isn't this something when you start coming to church, you start learning about God, you get these... You get anything that's opposing you from getting here today. Wasn't the rain. Some folks might have slept in. Some folks on vacation. And the devil. No, it's not the devil. You got a choice. There's no winners or losers in life. There's only choosers. And we got a choice. And don't let the enemy. And that's how he steals from us. Is he tries to, inter- he tries to intimidate us. To get us to quit. To get us to stop. To get us to not to be in our word. That, and therefore he steals from us. That's how he steals. 20 years of ministry. He's tried that so many times. Over and over again. To discourage us. And, you know you ain't going to do anything for God out here. Look at you and all that. But it's a, it's a constant battle. This is how you overcome it. We've only got two scriptures in the entire Bible. That tell us what to do with the devil. There's only two. It's not super deep. One is give no place to the enemy. Second one is this one right here in James chapter 4. And I'm going to focus on this for the next few minutes and then we're going to pray. And in this scripture in James chapter 4, there are two things. Many people misquote this verse. It says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. How many heard that? Usually it's said like this, just resist him and he'll flee from you. That's not what the scripture says and that does not work. You have to do the first part. Be submitted to God. Then resist the devil and he'll flee from you. What does it mean? Being submitted to God, it means to be surrendered to the Lord. Hear me today, church. He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for surrender. Peter wasn't perfect, but he was surrendered. He finally got it right. He struggled. He struggled a lot, but he finally got it right. He went out like a boss. They crucified him, killed him for his faith. And he said, you know what? I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. And so they turned him upside down and crucified the apostle Peter. That's how he went out. He wasn't perfect, but he was fully surrendered. Remember this. Our authority over the enemy is only as strong as our submission to God. Somebody say, preach that, preacher. 
our authority. Pastor, I'm rebuking the enemy and he ain't leaving. I'm trying to do this and he ain't leaving. Hear me, hear me. According to this scripture, our authority that we sung about today, when I open up my mouth and nothing's happening because I'm not submitted to him. Don't get mad at me, Pastor Eddie. You told me I was a good preacher. Some of y'all even said I look good in burgundy. Now, come on. I'm still your friend. Y'all still love me. This is the truth. This is the truth. We got to be submitted to the Lord. Our authority over the enemy is only as only as strong and only as uh, strong as our submission to God. It's all in the word of God. You find this story in Acts chapter 19. These seven brothers were hanging out and they were itinerant Jews in verse uh, chapter 19. It's called the seven sons of Sceva. Yeah. Seven brothers. And the Bible says this. They were itinerant Jews. Itinerant means they traveled. So they would go city to city. And they were spiritual people. They, they, were, they would be knocking on your door on Saturday mornings. Wanting to have a spiritual discussion. And they would go to the next neighborhood. They'd go to the next neighborhood. That's how these people were. But they were into demons. They were like in the demonology. Some people are like, ooh, say that again. You know, demon, ooh. I'm not into that, man. Let me tell you something. Don't get into that either. There's a devil under every rock. Don't get into that. Because sometimes there's like seven under every rock. But the Bible never tells us to go looking for demons. The Bible tells us to keep our eyes on Jesus. Even when Paul was in, was in, had an encounter with a possessed young girl, the Bible says he ignored it. And he kept doing ministry. It was only when he couldn't tolerate it anymore. He said he was irritated. He turned around and said, enough is enough. Some of y'all haven't got victory in your life because you, you haven't been stirred up enough. You haven't been, the enemy hasn't irritated you enough. But he irritated the, Paul and then Paul set her free. So that tells us some truth there. But these guys would travel from city to city and they tried to invoke the name of the Lord. Look how he said he tried. Over those who were demon possessed, they would say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, were doing this. One day, which suggests this was many days, they kept going to this particular house. There was a dude in there that had more than an emotional, uh, mental illness. He had a spiritual illness. And I'll talk about that next week. There are, there are emotional illnesses that I believe in medicine and chemical imbalances, absolutely. But there are also spiritual imbalances and spiritual prom, uh, problems that we need to deal with. This guy had a spiritual problem. They knew it and they came and they kept coming to the door and they kept trying to cast the devil out of him. So one day the spirit answered him, talked back and said, Jesus, I know, Paul, we know, but who are you? Who are you, which are Jesus, trying to rebuke me, but you live just like me. You're trying to rebuke me one minute and I mean, I'm just being real. That's exactly what he's saying. You don't know Jesus. And then the man who had evil spirits jumped on them and overpowered them and gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Why? Because they didn't know Jesus. They knew about the name of Jesus. Now let me say this. You know, I get questioned a lot about the name of Jesus. Listen, you and I are not saved in the name of Jesus. Jesus is not a name. Please hear this. He's a person. So... It's about not knowing a name. It's about knowing the person. Because Jesus said on the day of judgment, many will say, I've done everything in your name. And Jesus said, yeah, you did, but I don't know who you are. 
We don't have a relationship. I don't know you. You got the name right. You married me and took my name, but you ain't been living with me. We have no relationship. I'm trying to help us today to wake up from deception that the enemy just tries to lull us to sleep like Delilah and Samson. And we wake up and we wonder why we don't have power. We wake up why we don't have the fire. We wake up and we don't have the passion. And I'm telling you, it's because the enemy has lied to us and has got us too comfortable and put us to sleep. It's time for the church to arise and to awaken to the word of God. And not to be these religious, weird people, but to be filled with the spirit. Spirit of God and charge hell with a water pistol. Come on, somebody. To stand up against the enemy. Jesus, but I don't know him. When I was a kid, like I said, we couldn't afford Adidas. One time my mom said, Eddie, I don't have enough money to buy shoes, but I can buy you a suit or shoes, Adidas suit. So I got the Adidas suit. It was red and black. I got one now. It's black and white. And my grandson has one too. Thank you. Uh, but I had a red and black one. And, but I had fake Adidas. I had tracks, but you couldn't tell. And McDonald's one time, and lived down a corner of my house, uh, had uh, Big Macs for 99 cents. There is a God. And uh, me and my boy, who lived right next door, uh, Jake Pongrass, Big Jake, lived right next door. And he's a big dude, and we were best friends. And um, he had them real Adidas, man, all the time, all the time. Where's Gerald? He had them shoes every week, bro. And uh, I had the fake. So I said, hey, you want to go up to McDonald's and get, uh, get 99 cent Big Mac? He said, no. I'm watching Back to the Future. So I was like, okay. Uh, I don't know what he's watching. So I went up by myself. i never forget it. I was probably um, 12, 13, and I'm walking up to McDonald's, and uh, these dudes come up, and they were looking at me, and they were they was checking in, and they were come chasing at me, and they tried to steal my outfit. Growing up in E-Course, it's just the way it was. So I ran. I jumped on this dude's porch, a random house, and I started saying, hey! I think I was saying, like, Brian. Hey, Brian! Come out here! I didn't know who they were. I was like, Brian, come out here. And they all ran but one. He was about my age because there was a couple of 16, 17-year-olds with him. This dude was my age, though. They all took off running. But this one dude stopped. He said, you don't know who lives here. I said, and next thing you know, he said, hey, he don't know who lives here. (laughs) But Don, they caught me. And I was like, man, I turned so, before they can even get me, I was, now I can run, bow-legged, but I can run. I was gone. Flew around that corner. I made it home. They didn't steal my outfit. And I lived it to wear it to Ecorse High the next fall. <laughs> Here's the point. Can I tell you that these seven sons of Sceva did the same thing? And the enemy knows if we just knocking at a door and we just play in church or we know him. That's the whole point of that story. Because there was an enemy and I just showed you that, that he knows. So the first thing is be submitted to God. Please be submitted to him. That means, God, not my will, but your will. And you know what? You got to do that every day. I got to do it every day for 20-something years because it's so easy to not be submitted to God only when things get bad, but to live it the way I want to live it. But I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to have victory over the enemy if we live like that. Somebody say, you better submit. You got to submit. You got to submit. Then the next part, I'm going to close with this. And he says, Resist, Submit and resist. That's all I wanted to give you today. Very powerful, but you, you can have victory. You can have victory uh, by doing those two simple things. What does resist mean? Resist means to stand. Stand in opposition. 
Scriptures in Ephesians back this up. Remember Paul talking about spiritual warfare. He said, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Withstand. In the evil day and having done all, stand. He goes on and repeats that. It depends on what version of Bible you have. Three or four times he tells us to stand. Now I was blown away when I first learned the word stand in the Greek. See, Paul, the Bible wasn't written in English. So whenever you hear a preacher say the original meaning in Greek or Hebrew, the reason why we do that is because we go back to the original word that Paul used, for instance, in this scripture. And when you look up the word, it gives more insight. Right? You ever... You know what I'm saying? So the word stand in the Greek, you ready? It means antihistamine. How many got allergies? Come on, allergy people. You all with me? I'm allergic to ragweed. That devil's raising up right now in Jesus' name. This is ragweed season. Antihistamine. That's where we get the English word antihistamine from this biblical word, which means to stand. Let me tell you what it means. Histamine is the uh, inflammation of our bodies and as a reaction for something that we are allergic to. And antihistamine, which you take and which I take to fight against allergies, it stands in the way, and watch, watch this, it blocks the enemy from causing me to overreact and to be inflamed about a situation where I'm called to bring peace to. I'm called to bring stability to. I'm called to bring perseverance to. I'm called to bring strength to and not run. That's an antihistamine. That's what you and I are called to be. That's what we are to do against the evil one. We are to stand and not give in and fall to him. The one of the most aggravating things in the world if you suffer from allergies is to have medicine and it don't work. Come on, somebody. First time I discovered I had allergies, it was in, we were in, on vacation. And man, my face was, I was just flaring up. My eyes was watering. And I was sticking toilet paper in my nose. It was running. I was mm, throat itching. I, I, everybody was trying to enjoy vacation. I was wanting to just smack somebody. Everybody know what I'm talking about. It's awful. And I remember, man, someone said, you need this. It was, I ain't going to give you the name. But it didn't work for me. So I went and got it. And I got it. It was like, you know, a lot of money. And I started using it, drinking the whole bottle. I was like Will Smith and Benadryl in that one movie. <laughs> I was slow. <laughs> and it didn't work. And it was awful. It was awful to try to do that. Let me tell you something. That's the same thing when, when God is looking down at his people and he's saying, listen, I have called you. I have given you my spirit to block the enemy. And you're not doing it. He's coming in your house. He's coming in your marriage. He's coming in your finances. He's coming in and doing all these things, getting you discouraged, getting you distracted, getting you over here into this. What you over there fighting for? Adam, where are you? Elijah, what you doing here, brother? You got an assignment over here. I know it's summer. I know we're everywhere. But God says, Listen, there is a fight that I'm trying to get you to be engaged in. And it's against evil. It's against the temptations of the wicked one. Stand against him. Stand against him. This is how we stand against him. You stand against him through worship. You stand against him through worship and not giving in to that temptation. You block the enemy. You block the enemy when he wants you to gossip about somebody. Let me get down here for that one. How much time I got? Yeah, did you hear? You see what they did over there? Over there yeah. Look at her. Oh, good morning. Thank you. Let me tell you about her. You know what you did? You just moved out of the way and the enemy's right in there now. Now he's telling her something about him. She had no idea. She thought he was a cool dude. But now you done opened the door. You got out the way. You should have blocked that. 
when somebody said, hey, look at Mary. You know, she, you know, you ought to say, hold up. You need to pray about her. You need to pray for her. What did I just do? You just act like Claritin on, anointed Claritin. You just blocked him. I'm telling how many know what I'm talk, talking about? It is so easy to get out to, oh no, please tell me again so I can pray for him. I know Jesus. You liar. And the enemy's going, yeah. Because I'm going to steal the way you were. You were wanting to sign up and go to that life group. But now I done told you about that life group leader. Now you ain't even going to go. And God had you a breakthrough in week three that you did not even know about. You got played. Come on, somebody. Somebody say, preach, preacher. Come on, I'm getting going right now. That's exactly what he does. And we talk about Jesus. I'm rebuking devils. Yeah, he's having his way with you. He's having you. He's stealing from you and you don't even know it. It's all in the Bible. There was two ladies in the church. And Paul said, hey, tell them two ladies to start getting along. He called them out in the Bible. It happened all the time. Put an in when somebody is trying to talk about somebody. When somebody is trying to, trying to discourage you. When someone is trying to say, man, you don't have victory. You can't serve God. You, can't, you done messed up. You done did this. You done messed up too many times. That's the enemy. You need to block this. That's a lie from the pit of hell. I don't care what you did last week. You in church today. You need to give it to God. Submit to him and he's going to bless you. Don't give up. Don't give up. Block them. Somebody said, oh, I'm a, how many blockers we got up in here? I need a church filled with blockers at, at 16650. I need some blockers today that will say, I'm going to stand in the gap. God said, is there anybody that will stand in the gap, that will block for my people, that will go to bat for my people, and will say, get your mouth off my brother. Get your mouth off my sister. You're speaking like the devil today. I'm going to block you. He's getting excited. Yeah. Come on, somebody. Go block somebody. You might need to block them on Facebook. There you go. Somebody, that's a message for somebody. I can't get victory. Well, block them, brother. If they ain't adding to your life, block them. Because the enemy will try to get into your circle. How did he get Jesus? Right through Peter. Right through Judas. He wasn't worried about Pilate. He wasn't worried about... He told Pilate, you can't do nothing to me unless it's been given to you by God the Father. So boy, please. But Peter got him. Who got him crucified? Judas. It's that inner circle. This is for somebody today. I'm just trying to pastor you today. Don't let the enemy in. And he always will come in our weakest moment. You're going to see that next week. You stand by praying. Jehoshaphat, God said, Jehoshaphat, I'm going to fight this battle. Come on, please stand because I'm going to keep preaching if you don't. It's enough preaching, it's time to pray. Y'all heard enough word. Jehoshaphat, though, was the king in the Old Testament. And God said, I'm going to fight this battle for you. We sung it today. I'm going to raise a hallelujah. That's what we mean. That means in the middle of a battle, this is how I'm going to block the enemy. By giving God praise. In the middle of my storm, when I should be losing my ever-loving mind because everything around me is falling apart, this is how I'm going to block the devil from getting me to quit. I'm going to worship him. God said, Jehoshaphat, all you got to do is stand. See, stand is a posture. I grew up in Ecorse. The first thing you learn is to stand up. It's posture. My best friend's dad taught us how to fight in the backyard. He was straight up. He was a boxer. He was out cold, man. And I remember he was like, hey, come on, you right-handed or left-handed? And I was like, you yeah. know, I was like... 12. He was like, put that right hand back. Put that left hand. This is your jab. You're going to stay. He taught us to stand for like three days. 
we'd be showing up with Gatorade. He also talked to us about Jesus. He did get saved. He was an awesome Royal Ranger mentor. We was beating everybody up. We was a tough Royal Ranger group. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't try that, Frank. Amen. Don't do that. But he, you got to learn how to stand first. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all are in karate and all that stuff. You know, Bruce Lee was a boy. Chuck Norris, Bruce Lee was a boy. Anyway, first thing you learn is to stand, church. That's what I'm trying to get to you today. You don't got to do all this. Just stand. Three times in Ephesians 6, stand your ground. Is your marriage in problem? Is it a problem? Stand your ground. Submit to God. Stand in ground. That's how you resist them. Don't go back to the bar. Don't go back to that website. Don't go back to that conversation. They just got the juicy gossip. I just can't wait to get out of here. It's like, no, 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 no. Stand your ground. And if they come your way, block you. Boy, bye. Girl, bye. Talk to him. Talk to him, not to me. I'm done with you. I'm going to finish this year stronger than I started. Somebody needs to say that today. I'm going to finish. I've been letting everything in. Y'all like the offensive line of the old Lions because the new Lions is going to be in town. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Amy LaDonna is good. The old Lions will let you in. Tackle, get mad Stafford. We need some linemen that are blocked. The church needs some linemen on the front lines. Because I'm going to block the person next to you. I'm going to block the person in front of you. I'm going to block the person behind you. I'm going to block the person. I don't even know you. I don't even like you, but I'm going to block you anyway. The enemy from getting you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight with you anyway. And you never know. Some of the people you don't like the most are the best friends that God ever had. Never forget this. Never forget this. The blessings of the Lord always come through people. Always. Unless you're Elijah, then he fed him with ravens. Everybody else in the Bible, it came through people. So what does the enemy do? He tries to isolate you. You don't need to go to church, get all offended, mad. The church is one. You could have got a blessing whoever wasn't here today. Unless you got good reason. Amen. Amen. Some of the services that I struggle to get to have been the best services I've ever been in. How many say he's telling the truth? Preach, preacher. And by being here, you just block the enemy. Need some blockers today. It's going to stand against the enemy today. Come on, if you need prayer, I don't need to give you a big old long, dragged out altar call. You need some prayer today. Come on up to the front altar team. Come help us pray. Come on, you need to, you need some help blocking today. Come on up. Let's get the enemy out of your life today. Come on. You need to come. You join us online. You respond. Help pray for me today. Pray for me today. Come on. The enemy's been getting in there. You need some help blocking today. Get some prayer today. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, come up today and receive him as your Lord and Savior. Receive him today as your Lord and Savior. You got something going on in your marriage? Come on up. Let's, let's block the enemy today. You got something going on in your health? Come on up. Let's block the enemy today. You need some help today in prayer. You need some help. And you got some blockers up here that's going to help you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, just begin to worship him right now as you guys pray. Come on. Altar team, let's pray. If you need prayer, let us pray for you today. Rest of you, just lift your hands to the Lord. That's a posture of surrender. That's why we lift our hands. And let the Lord just close this word that was preached deep into your heart today. I'm tired of the enemy stealing from people I love. 
don't let them steal. You're not mad at that person. The enemy's got you mad. At the wrong person. You're fighting the wrong battle, brother. You're fighting against the wrong person, sister. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle not against co-workers. We wrestle not against political people. They're, they're, yeah, they're, I disagree with a lot of them, but wherever there's a problem, there is a power behind the problem. And that's what we go to war with. Block them. You ain't going to get me to react. Block it today. Come on, come on. You need prayer? Come on today. Let's pray for you. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you receive some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Light, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence his promises and all people and you can watch one of our services that way as well so god bless you i pray god's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week amen